0: So um, my initial thoughts when I was in the university was that you know finance rules the world and and if we have the great modeling of finance and proper uh, tools etc things go fine. But when I started working in this public sector bank and I interacted with people from all over you know of you know there was diversity so so different cultures in India different mindsets. Um, I realized it is people who make the change. So whatever sophisticated tools we have, whatever strategy and vision we have, if the people are not supporting us, we will never uh, you know, ace our game. So then I started reading up about leadership, about performance management, and then I got interested and I started my PhD.
1: Hi everybody, I'm Elizabeth Swan. And I'm Tracy O'Rourke, and we're from the Just In Time Cafe, and welcome to our podcast. At the cafe, we wrestle with tough questions. We talk to thought leaders, discuss great books, and get insights from Lean Six Sigma practitioners.
2: We let you in on helpful apps. We bring you the news and challenge the status quo so you can build your problem-solving muscles.
1: So Elizabeth, what's on the cafe menu today? I'm glad you asked me that, Tracy. Today's highlight
2: is our interview with Dr. Sabiha Mumtaz. She teaches at the University of Wollongong in Dubai, and she's got an innovative strategy for helping to lift women into leadership positions. Next up, it's an app that provides you with videos, animation, and an unlimited supply of presentation goodies. And for Q and A, We asked our problem-solving community if they had ever attempted to bring Lean into their homes, and if they did, what happened? Uh, It's a great fall day at the cafe, Tracy. Up next it's Hot Apps. Yes, Tracy, today's app is another cool tool to make you look good.
1: Yes, it's called Presenter Media, and I have been a fan of this app for many years because it helps you put together awesome presentations. It creates everything you need to create epic presentations that come to life for PowerPoint, Google Slides, and Keynote. It's kind of like having your own personal presentation designer. They have things like PowerPoint presentation templates, They're already built animations, clip art, video backgrounds, background music, and slide clips. But what's even cooler is that most of the items they create are changeable in color and size. So you could change a lot of the content to match, let's say, your brand colors or other. So that's really nice, too, because often people struggle that things are made of images and you can't adjust them. So it's not as customizable, but I find anytime I use a PowerPoint template, I can change the colors, no problem. I can change the fonts, the images, anything uh, pretty easily. They also have pre-built designs for PDCA, Six Sigma, Lean, Change Management, and more. Anytime I'm looking for some fancy animation, I always look in presenter media. So what did you discover when you looked it up, Elizabeth? Yeah, I know you've been a fan of this for a while. So
2: I'm familiar with what you've brought to the table by using it. So I just checked out and they've got a huge library and it's obviously constantly growing of all the presentation elements, the graphics, the animations, and the animations are kind of cool. They've got three tiers of pricing. You can get a month for 39.95 and that gets you full access. You can get a yearly subscription for 59.95 and you get again, full access and I think some hip customer service, or you can pay 99, uh, 95 for two years. So access is always the same. It's unlimited. You just get a jump in the discount if you pay a little more upfront. So pretty cool. It seems like a really simple, easy to access and not that expensive.
1: Yes. And I'm going to have to say that I haven't had to rely on them In most recent years because you rock when it comes to images so I haven't had to use them as much but if I didn't have you man I'd have to be in here all the time oh yeah (laughs) so we'll include the link to presenter media on the podcast post on our website so you can check it out I'm Elizabeth Swan
2: and you're listening to the Just in Time Cafe podcast in a short while you get to hear our interview with Dr. Sabiha Mumtaz Next up, it's a question we pose to our community. Have you ever unleashed lean on your friends and family? And if you did, do they still talk to you? (laughs) And what brought this up was this last weekend for I don't know how many years, it's been since 2009. We skipped last year because of COVID, but we've had this huge party. It's a big cleanup we run at my mom's house. It's for her birthday. And this was her 89th birthday. And she even joins in the work party, but we're out there with, you know, clippers and hedge trimmers and people are using uh, saws and they're repairing the deck. They're on the roof. They're clearing the gutters out. I mean, there's there's been over 40 people at these things. This was a smaller crew. We had to have a rain date. But the what happened years ago is I use a Kanban board. I realized people show up and I'd have this big master list and they'd be like, Elizabeth, what do I do? Where do I go? And I'd be flipping this list, you know, like where can I go? What, you know, what can I give them? What would they be good at? And then I just switched it into a combine board where it, it was, you know, that classic to do, doing done. I just put all these post-its up there with all the potential work people could do all the jobs. And then they'd switch them into doing, and then eventually they'd go done. And, uh, And then we got a little salty. We were like, "It's going to go from, you know, maybe to it's on to so done." Uh, So we got, you know, to have some fun with it. But it makes all the difference in the world. People end up having fun with it. They go up there. They they're like, "Where's my job?" And they put write it down if it wasn't up there. Uh, At the end of the day, they were pulling them off and yelling out the job to see if it had been done. And everyone would yell, "So done!" And then they'd stick it in the done pile and. Man, my mom loves it. It's just so fun. So I just wanted to see what do people do? You know, what do they use?
1: It's funny when you say, you know, do they, are they still talking to you? So a lot of the stuff I've implemented was really myself checklist that I need especially when I was having a baby and I had mommy brain and I couldn't remember what went in the baby bag and I didn't want to have to think so I'd have a little checklist for what goes in the baby bag before I left the house that was kind of important so things like that were really helpful but you know my husband he's a stay-at-home dad so I I try to stay in my lane and I'll tell you more about that uh, a little bit later
2: okay baby bag for baby brain (laughs) exactly kind of a tagline um well i put this post out there and our community responded as usual so i just want to give some examples of what we heard because it was some of them are great president and co-founder of the company enable emily bopp had a great example and she said it was her answer to covid co-living with her young adult sons and she shared a photo of her family management board So to-dos were in buckets across the top uh, with pull cards that have lists and instructions and that their Sunday night huddle, they chose to-dos and they put them in the doing section. And then she gets quite excited that the cards move into the done buckets at the bottom before the next Sunday's huddle. And she said a friend sent her this Wall Street Journal article about COVID homebound consultants optimizing their families. And then she realized Uh, She'd already done it. (laughs) So (laughs) just out of curiosity, because you've got uh, two boys, would that work with your sons? You know,
1: I absolutely think, yes, it would. It could work for my sons. But like I said, my challenge is I'm not the stay at home parent there. There could be many weeks, you know, being a consultant that you're not home. And guess what? This stuff doesn't work if there isn't the discipline Uh, to follow through and consistently follow up. So my husband, I'm a lucky gal. My husband cooks, he cleans, he helps with the homework. He takes them to and from school, he pays the bills. I'm so lucky that way. So I really don't want my husband not to talk to me because I'm messing with his processes, right? So I'd like to stay in my own lane (laughs) when it comes to the kids. And the boys and so you know I, I float some ideas every once in a while but ultimately i let him to his own devices <laughs> i think that makes me a good wife right
2: yes, it does yes it does
1: <laughs> but i will say that if i had to pick something the most recent memory is this transition i had with my kids getting older and of course all parents go through it but my kids are becoming teenagers now. My oldest is 18. My youngest is 13. And when my older son uh, was coming of age, it, our communication wasn't really working out very well. And, you know, as when we have small children, what happens is we, we tend to speak very directive to our kids, like brush your teeth, get dressed, do your homework, eat your peas, you know? So we're always like telling them what to do. And then they come of age and they just stop listening, Right. I know I would, and I know I did when I was a teenager. So I went through this, you know, our, our communication uh, wasn't, it got aggravated because I think I was in tell mode and my teenager was kind of done with that. So I had to recognize I was in tell mode with my teenage son and it wasn't working. And then I thought, you know, I really need to apply the principles I teach people to do, which is humble inquiry. Like, asking, being a coach and, you know, letting him, you know, make his own decisions and being there and helping him think through it as opposed to telling him what he should be doing. Um, And so guess what? It took a little practice. You know, it's a lot harder to apply to your kids than, than, you know, to a paying client. (laughs) (laughs) But I have to say we have great communication now and I have to uh, attribute some of that some of that success to Katie Anderson and Karen Ross's K2C2 workshops that you and I went through um, because I actually used that as a, as a a coaching project that I would reflect on uh, as part of the course. So thank you, Katie and Karen, Katie and Catherine, Katie and Karen for that. Uh, So yeah, that's, that's I think the biggest thing that I have had the most success with applying lean at home. Cool. So let's uh, hear a few more of these. Senior process analyst owner of Lightbulb Moment Consulting, Stephanie Hill said that her sister was totally overwhelmed with everything that she had to get done for her very fast relocation across the country. Stephanie took her to the local store, grabbed some supplies. They put together a Kanban board and her sister moved this week and proudly sent her a photo of her completed board. So Stephanie also uses Kanban boards for her son's morning routine. And she shared a photo with us of that. She only cautions that when attempting this at home, make sure you make it theirs and create it in a way that works for them, just like with clients.
2: You got to. Um, that's a great example. There's another one from senior director of Lean Strategy for Kinexus and host of the Lean Leadership podcast, Chris Burnham. And he said that he very subtly organized the coats in his and his wife's cl- coat closet. He put his coats on the left and he put his wife's on the right. And he said, that's because she's always right. <laughs> and then he pulled, the, he pulled all the coats they had not worn in a while and he placed them on the tables. So and then they could decide what to donate and do that together. And she appreciated it, made it easier to decide what to purge. Um, and it made finding, you know, coats and jackets easier and echoing Stephanie. He reminds us lean is something you apply with someone you care about, not to someone you care about.
1: I have a feeling that Chris
2: is a good husband. (laughs) Sounds a little bit, he sounds a little bit like that, but you know, Teresa, do you even share a closet with your husband? Haven't you taken over all the closets in your, in your house
1: with all of your costumes? Well, yes. Uh, the good news is I only share my costume share half of my 13 year old son's closet, and the rest of them are in the garage, keeping my 30 plus wigs company.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Your 13 year old.
1: Yeah, I've been cast to the garage with all that stuff. <laughs> um,
2: I think they've been very tolerant, Tracy, given <laughs> your proclivities. So I gotta say, I admire how organized you are with your wigs and outfits, but I've got um, two more examples I liked. One lean specialist at Washington State Auditor's Office, Steven Thompson said that in he and his wife's home, uh, she's always on the left and he's always on the right. No matter what they're talking about, salads, bath towels, shoes, it just makes things easier to remember. And I just like that, you know. They but they both know it's the system, so they know who's who's is what. And then the last one, so clearly that's a that's a technique that worked uh, for them. It's a again like Chris Burnham, kind of subtle. And then we've got a hilarious example from Sally Toyster, former head of operational excellence for Marriott Hotels, where she 5 would her closet so that her dog knew where to get his toys. And she shared a photo of her key stakeholder, the dog, conducting a five-second find-it test in the 5S in the closet. And she reports that he is quite happy with lean at the home. <laughs> it's so hilarious. And I know she did this for real. She showed us the pictures. So great examples from so many people. Our community loves to experiment.
1: Yes, they do. And I absolutely love hearing all of those ways people are applying this stuff at home because it's fun. It gets our brains thinking and it's not something we do just at work. It shouldn't be something we do just at work. If you're doing these things at home, you're not just doing lean, you're thinking lean and you're bringing it home and you're, you know, you're using your lean six sigma eyes, whatever you want to call it, uh, wherever you are, not just at work. So that's pretty cool too.
2: Yeah, just do it judiciously.
1: (laughs) I'm Tracy O'Rourke, and you're listening to the Just in Time Cafe podcast. We host these monthly, so you can go to www.jitcafe.com. That's J-I-T-C-A-F-E.com, and go to our podcast page. Coming up next, it's our featured guest, Dr. Sabiha Mumtaz. Elizabeth, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Sabiha?
2: Happy to Tracy. Dr. Mumtaz is an assistant professor of business and management at the University of Wollongong in Dubai. And she's a leader of WE, that's W-E, which stands for the Women Empowerment Program, which is actively supporting the next generation of female leaders in the United Arab Emirates. She's a member of the editorial team at the International Journal of Educational Management, and she's an academic integrity researcher. I met Dr. Montaz when she invited me to speak with her MBA students about empowerment and delegation. After experiencing her teaching style and learning what she was up to, I knew we had to have her at the cafe. She is a mover and a shaker, and she manages to bring her unique physics background to her leadership teachings. Welcome Sabiha. We are so excited to have you at the cafe. Thank you for visiting all the way from Dubai. Uh, Thanks for taking the time during the semester to tell us about your journey from physics to teaching leadership to MBA students for Wollongong University. Um, You've become both a female leader and someone who fosters leadership in those who may not see it as an opportunity. And your background was a revelation for me. So can you describe first your undergraduate experience? Um, what what the field you were in and what that was like?
0: Uh, thank you, Elizabeth and Tracy, for inviting me to the cafe. It is uh, always a pleasure to meet people around the world. And uh, uh, for my background, uh, My undergrad was in science. So my undergrad, I majored in physics, chemistry and math. Then I moved on to my master's in physics. um, And then I um, wanted to participate in the civil services um, of India. I I qualified for the preliminaries. Then I moved on to uh, business, masters of business administration. I've done my MBA, so it's a double masters. Uh, Then worked for a while in a bank and realized the importance of people. So went and did my PhD in performance management. And here I am in academia. So it was a long winding path uh, to where I am today. But the journey was beautiful. So whichever stop I visited, I enjoyed my journey. Yeah, it was a lovely walk.
2: A lovely walk. What a nice way to say it.
1: Um and one yeah. Um Tracy, did you have a question? I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, it's funny that you I was listening to you talk about your winding walk. And I I just want to say that Elizabeth and I kind of had the same situation happen. We're both English majors, and then we found ourselves teaching people statistics with six sigma. <laughs> right?
0: Wow. Like, how did yeah. that happen?
1: <laughs> but we enjoyed the lovely walk. And I find that sometimes people really appreciate uh, a person who teaches statistics like an English teacher.
0: (laughs) Oh, yes, absolutely, Tracy. I I love what you say because when I teach my master's students in business and I use um, lots of examples from physics to explain human behavior. Like, for example, in physics, we say you know there is the postulate that energy is neither created nor destroyed it just changes forms and i say connect it with memories because every experience that we have as a human it's neither it, it is not destroyed it's somewhere there in our mind embedded in our conscious or unconscious it just changes form so from a current memory it becomes a latent memory so i use physics a lot um, we talk about behavior like for example resistance to change i pick up the example of friction and i say you know a body stays in motion or in state of rest unless a force is applied on it so so as people also unless our driving forces are more than our resisting forces we will never change we would like to be in our comfort zone so As you said, Tracy, um, uh, people enjoy, uh, you know, students enjoy uh, listening and looking at um, different principles from lenses of different theoretical constructs. So, yes.
2: Wow. I have never heard physics used so eloquently in the world of uh, performance management. Uh, No, just really, that was lovely. And it also reminded me, and just listening to Tracy talk about, you know, two English majors that ended up teaching statistics and you coming from physics and and now teaching leadership, I wanted to also reflect on that our fields are male dominated, that, you know, Tracy and I, and I think things are shifting, but, you know, Tracy and I were often uh, the lone women in terms of uh, large groups we were dealing with. And you too, can you remind me, I think you mentioned to me, what was it like in your physics uh, classes or your...
0: So um, um, when I joined my master's in physics, there were were two major changes for me uh, there, Elizabeth. First, I moved from an all-girls education to a co-ed environment because I'm from a small town in India. So uh, when I took my admission to the master's, that is one of the premium universities in India. So I moved from a small town to a pretty, you know, hot spot in terms of education. That was one. And then I moved from an all-female education to to a place where I was, I mean, there were just three of us who were females. So uh, there were two other females and one also then got married while in the first year so when we reached to the second year of our masters there were just two of us it was a male dominated area with no female professors all male professors all male students and um, yeah it was it was quite a challenging journey but very very fulfilling if you want i can share one example where i struggled with a certain bias um, if I may say so. So, um, yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. So my first, uh, day at college here, I am a naive girl from a small town, uh, to a central university. And, um, I have academically, I'm, I, I love academics. So I've always performed well as a student. So in our first class, we were asked to introduce ourselves and, and give a little background about ourselves. So I gave the background and I, so the professor asked me, uh, oh, you were the topper of the university in so-and-so town, what, what was your percentage? So I gave to him what percentage I had. And um, he goes and says, oh, but in that particular town or city, uh, you know, they might have been quite generous with the grades. Let's see what you do here. And, um, I was almost in tears, you know, uh, uh, unable to process it emotionally, unable to handle it emotionally. And this was the first time I was going away from home because that was a residential university. Uh, So I was almost ready to give up um, uh, my master's and come back home. And this is where you see, I, I got the support from my mom because when I called her, she gave me so much strength and she said, you know, do not give up, you know, you're a strong girl, take it up as a challenge and, and then you prove to him that uh, you can do it irrespective of which city or town you're from. So, I mean, it just makes me a little uh, goose bumpy when I talk about it because I go back in those memories, but... Uh, yeah, I made it. And uh, although I was not the university topper, but I was second in rank in that university. Yeah. Well, you showed yeah. him, did yeah. you? Go <laughs> Sabiha! <of Beehive>. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. So I showed him that, yeah, girls can also do it. Even though they are just two of us, we still pack a lot of power in our punches. Yeah.
1: I love it. <laughs> I love it, too. Wonderful. So so I would love to explore more, too, about uh, the walk you were talking about and how you got into the leadership portion. What drew you to to that part of your your studying and interest?
0: Okay, so uh, once I finished my master's, because um, I have uh, a major in finance when I was doing my MBA, so my natural. Gravitation was in the area of banking and I joined a public sector bank in India, uh, where I was an assistant manager in um, working in the zonal office. So my role was mainly to work on the digital transformation uh, of the bank and they were around 150 odd branches who were reporting to us in zonal office and some of them were rural branches. So, um, my initial thoughts when I was in the university was that you know finance rules the world and and if we have the great modeling of finance and proper uh, tools etc things go fine but when I started working in this public sector bank and I interacted with people from all over you know of you know there was diversity so so different cultures in India different mindsets, um, I realized it is people who make the change. So whatever sophisticated tools we have, whatever strategy and vision we have, if the people are not supporting us, we will never, uh, you know, ace our game. So then I started reading up about leadership, about performance management, and then I got interested and I started my PhD.
2: Um, I was just reflecting, because someone asked a question. Uh, You may know Sonia Singh. Uh, she's a leadership consultant, and she asked recently who our role models were, you know, who were the powerful people that were, were rocks for us. And I think listening to you, knowing Tracy and myself, our mothers all played a role in uh, being these powerful women who encouraged us uh,
0: absolutely
2: to be powerful ourselves. And,
0: and for me, what why my mother was also very inspirational is because... Uh, I belong to a way middle class, small town family in India. And there is a certain stereotype around being a Muslim female. So so we're supposed to, you know, get married early, um, not so much exposure to the world. but But she made sure that there was absolutely no pressure on me uh, in terms of marriage. So I was allowed to study as much as I want to, explore the world as much as I want to. And uh, they, she was my rock. She is my rock. And I was fortunate that when I got married and my mom-in-law played the same role for me. So mm-hmm. she's the one who encouraged me to apply to the bank because I uh, took up the job in the bank after I got married. I got oh. married after doing my MBA, immediately after my MBA. And then she is the one who encouraged me because I was quite, as I told you, I was a little... Uh, you know very shy very very soft uh, female and she toughened me up and she said it's okay you go face the big bad world it's okay you do it and and she was so proud of me Mm, she wanted to live her dreams through me she wanted to be a lawyer she couldn't be a lawyer so she wanted me to do everything I wanted to achieve in life so yeah I have two rocks two mums in my life who are absolutely wonderful
2: I love that. What an amazing story. Thank you. Uh
0: that's yes. great.
1: And look at you now. You're an assistant professor at the University of Wollongong in Dubai for almost <laughs> 10 years. You're rocking it every day in front of many, many people. What has that been yes, like for you?
0: <laughs> I um academia, I love teaching Tracy uh, because you know it, it's not like a job for me, I enjoy it. It's almost like my self-actualization because every time I enter a classroom, I'm learning from them as much as I am teaching them. So uh, this is my, my learning horizon. It, is, uh, it gives me a beautiful entry into the life, diverse lives of people, students from all the different parts of the world and uh, just exposes me and keeps me growing and keeps me refreshed. So, yes, it's, it's not was a job for me at all.
2: No, I can tell. And I was uh, honored and lucky enough to come and do a session with your students. So, I got to experience your rapport with the students. And you have a series that you've done with inviting uh, other leaders and speakers in to run sessions with them. So, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the the setting you created with your students. and your students themselves they were they were wonderfully engaging um one thing i noticed in, was that you also include you know father of quality you know our world dr deming in some of your teaching so i wanted to know could you just relay why you uh, thought to pull him into the class with your mba students
0: uh because um his teachings really resonate with me leadership style which I um, kind of also it aligns with my personal values so uh, when he talks about uh, taking ownership like organizations taking ownership and not making scapegoats out of people I, I really like it because that's my interpretation of I mean he doesn't use these words but that's just my interpretation that when we go into performance appraisals, sometimes uh, they are used as chopping blocks for 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 the necks of people and passing on the buck while it's our systems which need to be improved and there is absolutely nothing wrong with people. So, um, uh, and, and most of the times it is the systems because, uh, If we can inspire people, if we provide them the right processes, if we understand our macro environment, then half the battle is done. So so I like to introduce my leadership students to the fact that, you know, shine a torch inside as well and and, uh, give yourself a diagnostic X-ray to understand whether as an organization can we support people better before uh, going into the micros and 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 trying to support uh, you know developing individuals. So um, uh, his teachings um, kind of make us look at you know it's very it's very different because the way in in business we look at leadership it is all about individuals while his teachings say that. It's the context which is which is really important. If you create the right context, uh, individuals will thrive in that context. So, so recruit the right people, have the right connect with the job, and and make sure that your processes are um, are correct. So, so that's what I appreciate about it, uh, Elizabeth. Yeah. Wow. Very nice. So
1: recently, Sabiha, you were featured as featured speaker at the Expo Dubai. And one of the topics was how the WE mentoring program can support the next generation of female leaders in the UAE. Tell us a little bit about that. Tell us what We, the WE mentoring program is for and uh, your effort and the role you played.
0: Thank you for giving me a platform to talk about this. Uh, this project Tracy because it is so close to my heart and I am really passionate about it Uh, so what in a nutshell what the WE mentoring program is the WE is for women empowerment and the mentoring program is for early career female students so um, uh, what I have noticed in this part of the world and also globally is that uh, there are certain industries there are certain areas which are like glass walls for females so so there are stereotypes around these are male dominated areas uh, and these are female dominated areas and when the women try to break these glass walls to enter these professions uh, they face a lot of uh, they face a lot of challenges because they're not aware of what to expect there so uh, so this we mentoring program what we do is uh, we connect uh, early career female students with role models in the industries of their choice, of their dream, where they're wanting to make their career. And uh, they do a structured mentoring program of almost six months uh, and where they ha- they share a close rapport with the mentors. The mentors are also kind of trained uh, on how to uh, how to support the mentees through their journey. Um, and uh, and and with the with the close networking of academia and industry uh, we hope to prep up these young females into the leadership uh, scene and equalize uh, the working fields. yeah mm-hmm.
2: Good for you. we are
0: sort of like we are sort of like uh, you know uh, the golfing uh, networking team for the men we create. Uh, uh, the female networking uh, for students who do not have access to maybe senior uh, uh, leaderships uh, in the region. So we connect them and we facilitate it for
2: them. That's so interesting. So you're referencing the golfing network that is predominantly male, that becomes a feeder for connections and uh, getting ahead in business. And it gave me an idea as we've discussed tracy has a passion for pickleball and maybe that could become the new feeder for women
0: <laughs> oh, yes absolutely that's so fantastic because uh because when we are in any kind of a sport environment we we our gods are down and uh, because i teach behavior i know that at that point of time uh, our brains are most susceptible uh, to ideas so we, we do not have any defensive guards around us we are we are not filtering it through perceptions we are having fun and our brain is at that point of time most open to creative ideas so uh, so if you can do that uh, and, and use a sport as um, uh, as a networking I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a, a wonderful experience for the females whom you would be hosting for the event
2: that's a great point. Uh, Tracy, your network, it's a lot of people you played sports with. Same with mine. What were we going to say?
1: Yeah, I think it's a great idea, Elizabeth. I, I liked lean pickleball just because I love pickleball and I love lean and I wanted to bring them together with people I enjoy spending time with. But it's very mixed and it's very even, right? So it's it's more based on skill than on gender in terms of you know, uh, getting to play and how well you are. So it's, it's, it's a great sport to, uh, have that diversity and bring people along both, both genders. So, but really good idea,
2: really good idea. And so fascinating to hear the science behind it, which I know you're right, that that's when we are most ourselves, whatever we are, we're competitive, we're, you know, but we're making mistakes with each other. We're relying on each other. It's, it's a great, um, it's a great insight there about what, what, that
0: does to us how our mind works when we are playing a sport that's when we are authentic ourselves Mm. you know our our defenses are down so that's how behavior plays a role and probably that's why golfing really helps men network yeah tracy probably you could have a women's day for for your lean pickleball so so one of the days you could dedicate like for example here in uae we have uh, because of the cultural traditions uh, most times at the swimming pools etc the public pools we have a women women's day or at uh, you know water parks we have a women's day so so why not a women's day for for pickleball uh, at your place so so just one of those days could be only women playing with women yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. You're already having an impact on the san diego <laughs> women's that we have without yeah even... yeah dr mumta strikes again um so you <laughs> you posted a quote recently uh which i i appreciated you said don't be concerned about what is popular or what is the current global fad don't worry about what the world expects rather ask yourself what keeps me alive go out and find it chase your dreams It will make you happy and thus the world a happier place, which I just like to soak that in. It's it's such a great quote. And is this one of the things that you see holding women back, this idea of what's popular?
0: Yeah, Uh, because um, again, with the background in behavior, which of course I'm not going to bore you too much with, but uh, as women, we are socialized to live by other people's expectations. So so we are more concerned with what the world, either at a conscious level or sometimes even at a subconscious level, what the world is expecting from us. So we are more susceptible to the global fads uh, than probably men, because we are socialized. Our, our brains work in a way where we are more influenced and we give more credit to what is expected from us. So. I I want to bust that because I have been fortunate enough, there were enough strong uh, influences in my life who supported me to chase my dreams. No one told me to live a stereotypical, um, you know, a stereotypical life which is expected from a woman in our culture. So if I was fortunate enough, then I want to empower other females uh, who may not be as fortunate as me to chase their dreams and be Happy. Everyone deserves happiness, you know. Everyone, irrespective of where we are, who we
1: are. Yeah. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you so much, Subiha. Um, So nice to hear this, and um, I'm inspired. So I really appreciate you coming to the cafe. I guess do we have time for one more question, Elizabeth? Um, go for it, Tracy. One more. So. So my question is, what do you see making the biggest difference in paving the way for more female leaders in the Arab world?
0: Okay, so first I'll start with something positive uh, to bust the stereotypical image that we have about the Arab world. uh, That we feel that there is a lot of gender inequality uh, in this part of the world. But uh, being here since 2003, I've seen the world quite... Closely, And I'm, you know, I, although I am from India, but I have stayed in the region for, you know, more than a decade now. And I feel that there is a lot of impetus being provided to to females, a lot of support being provided to them. And they're breaking all the glass ceilings and the glass walls. But as um, um, what they need more is you know, no stereotypes or expectations. So sometimes what holds them back, even though they may have support in terms of strategy, et cetera, what holds them back is their own guilt that this is what I'm supposed to do. Uh, am I being a, you know, am I being a good mom if, if, I, if I join work um, within three months of, of giving birth to my baby? Am I being a good wife? if I'm away on weekends traveling. So sometimes these are the shackles which we put on ourselves, not because someone is forcing us to do, but because of our own guilt, which we have been socialized into. And, and you know, as our mind is like a sponge, so we're just soaking up stimuli. So sometimes subconsciously we are picking up people's expectations and we are burdening ourselves with it. So, I think to be to be great leaders, we first need to break the shackles of our own brain and, and not feel guilty to be happy, not feel guilty uh, for living the life that we want to live. So uh, mm-hmm. I think that should be the starting point. Be who you want to be guilt-free.
2: Ooh, I think that <laughs> might go on a mug, right, Tracy? <laughs> <laughs> we'll
1: put it on the back of this
2: one. Yeah, we'll put it on the back <laughs> okay. of our mug. And uh, get you. So uh, the, oh, so much here. Sabi so he has such great quotes, such great uh, insight in terms of, I see it myself that we put the, the unspoken rules and restrictions that we create for ourselves without anyone else creating them. And those are often the biggest obstacles we face. Uh, and I, I just, I know that there's going to be people interested in the We Mentoring program And people want to contact you just because you're a fascinating human being and you have a lot going on. So can you let our listeners know how they could contact you if they wanted to? Uh,
0: I would love to be uh, connected with people all over the world. Please connect with me on my LinkedIn. Uh, Search me by my name, Dr. Sabiha Mumtaz, S-A-B-I-H-A-M-U-M-T-A-Z. And uh, please support my program uh, in whichever way you can. I I, I welcome people who offer uh, and volunteer to be mentors uh, or mentor even me. Uh, If you you have, uh, you know, if you're leading a successful business, please come share with me your stories, mentor me into making this venture a successful venture, I'm open to learning and I look forward to hearing from all of you. Thank you.
1: And if you ever get to San Diego, Sabiha, we'll do some lean pickleball.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, I would love to. And I I will show you what ping pong at our place looks like, how we play the the ping pong kids way.
2: (laughs) Watch out Sabiha, she's a shark.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. And and I feel so blessed and honored to have known you, Elizabeth. It it was a lucky day when I came across your profile. So (laughs) I'm absolutely uh, thrilled to know you and to know Tracy. Thank you for calling me here. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
2: We'll see you again. Take care.
1: sure to register for our December 9th webinar with Eric Olson, founder of Central Coast Lean. We'll be featuring how he facilitates virtual lean coffee. So he's bringing lean coffee to the cafe. We're going to need some more mugs.
2: We are. And tune in for our January webinar where leadership coach Sunitha Narainan will bring neuroscience into the conversation and show us how we can
1: leverage our own brains to become better leaders. And there's still room for you to join our next Lean Six Sigma Leadership Workshop offered through UC San Diego. Class starts at the end of January, January 25th, and goes for 12 weeks. We'll provide a link to all of these on our website. Yeah, so thanks join us. for listening. Come join us. We are happy to have your company here at the Just in Time Cafe, though, because it is a great place to gather. And we love you guys. We do. Join us next month for your Dolt of lean caffeine.